Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I am very excited for this episode today with Dr. Tracy. She is so wise and she just... She really gets it. She has a book out now called I Didn't Sign Up For This, which I highly recommend reading. It is her debut book and people are loving it. It's all about, you know, partnerships and partnerships post kids and a few of the things that we will discuss today. It's part memoir, part self-help. And I think that you're going to get a lot out of it. Tracy and I had both lost our voices during this episode, so bear with my voice on this one. Luckily, it is back now, and I'm feeling okay. It actually turned out that I had COVID, which was no fun when you're pregnant, let me tell you. And then on top of me feeling shitty, you know, everything happened with Israel being at war, which has been really just horrifying. Obviously, you you know, if you're not living under a rock, you know what's going on. But I just thought it would be crazy for me not to address the sadness that everyone's feeling. It's a really hard time for Jews and for anyone who has, who's affected by, who's an empath, who's affected by things that are going on in the world and innocent lives that are being taken. So it is a really sad time, but you know, just like you guys have to go into work every day, this is kind of the same for me. We have a podcast to release and I'm really grateful that it's one with Dr. Tracy because it is so important not to take on your partner's emotions, especially at a very emotional time like right now because, you know, we still have to live our lives and we can't just stop showing up and stop going to work and stop, you know, being there for people. And it's, it's just a very important lesson of how to maintain your independence in a relationship and your emotional autonomy while still being a good partner and showing up for somebody in your life. So I do hope that you get something out of it. I really do think that you will. We go over a ton of different topics and all of which are in the description. And I hope just I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on it. I hope that it takes your mind off of, you know, this this horrible 
war and it, I hope it makes you think and have interesting conversations with your partner or a potential partner or a loved one. And that's kind of all I have to say to intro it. I don't really have much more right now. It is Tuesday, October 10th, as I'm recording this. You know, this will come out on the weekend on October 15th. I hope things are in a better place by then, but who's to say? And I hope that you hold your loved ones tight and that you're having a nice day or night whenever it is you listen to this. So hope you enjoyed Tracy and looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with Dr. Tracy. Hi. Hello. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm really excited for our conversation. I am so excited. And just a little note for our listeners that both Dr. Tracy and I are having are losing our voice, so bear with us here, but I think we should be okay. So before we get into it, tell us, what is your favorite romantic gesture? Oh, my favorite romantic gesture is going over to my partner and putting my hand on their back and letting them know I see them. And then that turns into a hug and a nice, strong squeeze. Is that what I you mean by that. romantic gesture? Yeah. But what mm-hmm. about something that they do for you that you love? Ooh. Oh, for me, it's a note. I come to my office and my husband will leave notes for me on my desk, or sometimes he'll write it on my board. And that for me just says, I see you. I'm thinking of you. You're in my mind as I'm writing this, knowing that you will feel filled up when you read it. I love that. And tell us a little bit about you. How old are you and where are you from? Mm -hmm. I am in Ottawa. I'm a psychologist and couples therapist. Did you ask me how old I am? I did, but... It's just it's just a standard background question, but yeah. you don't have to answer it. Don't feel pressure. No, it's funny. I don't think I've ever disclosed my age to anybody. Really? So so here I am. I'm 39 years old. Sometimes I don't feel like I'm 39. I still think I'm 32. I have two children. They're eight and six. And my husband and I have been together for, oh gosh, this year we celebrated our 11th anniversary. We met in a bar one night here in Ottawa. We did the whole long distance thing. And we were actually long distance until one and a half months after we got married. So we have quite a different journey than what other people tend to have, which is coming together, being in the same city and learning how to coexist. We really had to become good communicators. And what I like to tell people is despite having a PhD, doing a PhD in clinical psychology, at one point I thought that completing my dissertation would be the hardest thing that I would ever do in my life. And I was proven wrong once we had children, because despite knowing all of the skills and tools of sitting in front of my clients and being that objective outside person and being able to help them communicate and connect, I wasn't ready for just how hard parenthood was and how much it would rock our marriage. Mm, Yeah. I, I'm so glad that you said all of that, especially the long distance thing, because there have been so many of my listeners who have been dying for me to get into the long distance conversation. Mm. And I really only had one long distance relationship. It wasn't a good one. So just piggybacking off of that experience that you had, I'm just so curious, 
how you made it work. I mean, you said very strong communication, but it's easier said than done. Absolutely. It, it forced us to really talk about our needs and feelings. And I can remember one night near tears saying to him, I think I really need you. Like you help me feel so seen and validated. And this is so scary for me. And being able to emotionally express ourselves is so important because that's one of the main things that you're leaning on when you are doing long distance. I think some key things that need to be in place to make a successful relationship are agreements around how you will connect and touch base with each other and to know that you respect each other's time because you are, we were in different time zones, but as many people end up being, but it's that sense of acknowledging that you have a life going on around you and I don't get to see that moment to moment. So we really mm -hmm. have to verbalize and make agreements around how we're going to prioritize our time together and to treat that as sacred and to not kind of fluff it off or to avoid that intentional connectivity that you need to build and deepen a relationship. I think other agreements that need to be in place there are things around what are we going to do when we're upset? How will we work through our arguments? It would be so easy to say, I'm upset with you. I'm ending the phone call. I'm not FaceTiming right now and to, to not come back to it. But that's really dysregulating for somebody when they don't have you there as part of a co-regulation experience. It's going to be really hard to repair and to work through that. So making sure that you and your partner have those agreements together. What does it look like when we get into an argument? How will we come back together and repair? And then also talking about what does it look like to fill up our cups together in terms of physical and sexual intimacy and knowing that we can't be here together every day. How will we nurture those parts of our relationship? Mm, yeah, that's so important. You mean like kind of, you know, do we do like a FaceTime, you know, sex type of thing, or like, you know, figuring what to do when you're apart from each other, but you have needs that want to be met. Yes, absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. And so does it feel okay to talk a certain way? Do you, are you okay with phone sex or with FaceTime sex with self-stimulation mm -hmm. side by side or right? You, you need to have those explicit conversations with each other. And Lindsay, you know this about all of the conversations and this amazing community that you've built is that one of the areas we really struggle with most is talking about sex and making our internal desires and thoughts and beliefs explicit so our partner can understand them. Right. Yeah, no, that's so true. If you want to feel gorgeous, which you deserve to feel gorgeous, you should be using a product that you know is amazing. And that is why Clarins is a brand that you should be a lot more familiar with. Clarins recently launched a double serum and it's called that because it's two serums in one, an oil-based serum and a water-based serum. And they actually mimic the composition of your skin. It's made of 21 plant extracts, including turmeric. Amazing for you. And it's a gentle plant-powered formula that's great for all skin types. After a week of using it, just a week, your skin looks younger, your pores look smaller, fine lines and wrinkles look smoother. And you can also look up their kind of techniques. They do like a lymphatic drainage movement technique. Clarence was a spa in Paris first, and they have this like specific application technique to make your skin look just tighter. It's amazing. They also have this double serum eye, 
which is an anti-aging eye treatment formulated with 13 potent plant extracts. And it targets visible signs of aging for younger looking eyes. And I love how the texture is lightweight. It's like a gel cream combo that makes my eyes look brighter, hydrated and smoother, which I really need because sleep is not really happening for me right now. So you have to try the double serum and the double serum eye to see for yourself. Plus right now you can get 10% off plus a free welcome gift when you place your first order on clarins.com. Use code ACME23 at checkout for 10% off and a free seven piece gift of skincare products. That's ACME23 to get your welcome offer only at clarins.com. My parents are quite the jokesters. And when I was with them a few weekends ago, my dad was like, by the way, your mother and I started listening to Dipsy and we're loving it. And I hope they were just joking with me. But if not, you know what? Dipsy is for everyone because Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women, or really, again, for anyone who wants to hear them. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. You can discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, hot and heavy hookups, affairs, whatever your kink is, whatever you're into, Dipsy has something for you and new content is released every single week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore with Dipsy. They also have sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy stories you can read. And if you're looking to spice things up with a partner, which we talk about in this episode a little bit, Dipsy is a great way to do that. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash Acme. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash Acme. That's dipsystories.com slash Acme. Check it out. You will not be disappointed. And then one person actually wrote in this question about long-term relationship or long-distance relationships. They said, and this is obviously unique to their circumstance, but they said, why do we argue when we're apart, but never when we're together? Oh, why do we argue when we're apart and never together? That might be a way of, I mean, really that depends, depends on the relationship, depends on the people. But I'm wondering if that is a way of signaling to the other person, I'm really struggling. Mm-hmm. I don't feel important or I don't feel enough. And and so let's kind of side into what I commonly see in relationships is that a lot of people will say, we have the same fight. We fight about the dishes. We fight about not having time together in a long distance situation. We fight about the kids or the fa- extended family finances. And all of these are the surface issues that couples show up into my office and say, this is what we're fighting about. This is what we're struggling with. And yet what we know is that Couples get into these repeating negative cycles that are self-reinforcing. And it sounds like I get angry at you because you're defensive, because you don't listen. And the other person says, I get defensive and I don't listen to you because you're so angry. Mm. And it's like, we're going back and forth in this negative cycle. And underneath that cycle are our unmet needs and longings, which sounds like, am I important to you? Do I belong Do I matter to you? Am I enough? Am I worthy? Are we on this journey together? 
So when I think of that question, why do we argue when we're apart? I imagine that there's some insecurity that's coming up and a challenge of not being able to meet each other's needs. And that Mm -hmm. might need to be a really explicit conversation of how do we create security when we are disconnected? Do we do Mm -hmm. that through additional texts? Do we do that through words? Do we do it by really filling up our connection bucket before we separate? Yeah, that's really interesting and so helpful. I feel like in my past relationship where I was long distance, I related to that. We know what the person said. I felt like we we argued when we were apart, mm-hmm. not as much when we were together. You know, that relationship, you know, obviously wasn't wasn't the relationship for me. But I did feel like I also just had so much anger to the fact that we were long distance. Oh, of course. Which was why we argued when apart, because there was just so much resentment of like, why are you there and not mm. here? I can deeply relate to that. And mm-hmm. just how how hard it is when there's something that's outside of your control and the struggle to accept that. And then to be able to come back to how do we feel close and connected? Right. But when I think of in my own relationship and... And we we even had this moment early on in our relationship, even when we were still long distance. I remember my then boyfriend, now husband, was traveling. He was over in Ireland and he felt so insecure being further away from me. And he mm. wanted to call and check in. And like that was his way of of filling up that insecurity. Are we okay? Are we still good? And for me, I'm the type of person where it's like, you go do your experience, go Um, and be in it and enjoy it. And I have hard feelings that I don't get to be part of it. And I want to shut those down and I'm going to be in my life right now. And so we were often on very different pages in terms of what we need and what we felt. And it took a long time for us to start to see, oh, wait, hang on. So he had to do the Tracy doesn't want to speak to me, not because she doesn't care for me and love me. It's because... This is something about her and she just needs to kind of package this up, but it's not about me. And I see this as a struggle in a lot of relationships is that we personalize the other person's thoughts, feelings, their mood, their opinions. We take it personally to mean something about us when ultimately what we're trying to do in a relationship is to practice this healthy differentiation, which we're trying to build to get to interdependence. Mm, And that is a topic that I really want to get into with you before we get into that, because I feel like that's like so meaty and so juicy. You had so relatable too. (laughs) So relatable. You had mentioned another topic that I'm very curious about. And I feel like, you know, half of my listeners are in the same boat here, which was your hardest job of all, you know, raising children, being a mother. Mm -hmm. And especially, you know, as a relationship expert and couples therapist, I feel like you have a perspective that, you know, we, we need to hear. And so my question for you is about like how motherhood has changed your partnership Mm. and kind of what it was like before. Before kids, our relationships often feel easy and there's more time and space. And for sometimes also too, that space is important because If we have a heated moment, we can go and do our individual things, fill up Mm -hmm. our buckets, and then come back and maybe talk about and repair what actually happened. And what's really interesting to know is that the cycle, so for parents listening, the cycle that's happening in your relationship right now 
started early on in your partnership, but there were also things early on that weren't even part of your partner. They were part of our own early childhood experiences in terms of how we show up to this relationship. So couples will have more space and time to connect and to talk through things. And even if your relationship maybe wasn't filled with deep diving into repairing, you likely had more physical connection. And that physical connection of hugging and deeper kisses and more intimacy and sex, that all is part of releasing oxytocin, which is the bonding hormone, and that's build, bringing you together. Now, as parents, you are thrown into this experience. And Lindsay, one of the most common things that I hear is we prepared the nursery, our labor plan. We prepared who's visiting us in the hospital and who's coming home afterwards with us, but we didn't prepare our relationship. And Mm. what I mean by this is talking about what did you see your parents and caregivers do growing up? What do you want to do now as we become parents? What roles do you want to play? How will we deal with sleep deprivation? When I am full on tears because I'm so sleep deprived, how will I tell you I'm struggling? How will you respond? How do you want to approach the division of labor in terms of changing diapers? Who's going to feed baby? All of those types of conversations. We tend to just fall into these roles without actually talking about it. And then postpartum, you're sleep deprived. It's much harder to work through these conflicts. And so things start to build. And it's ultimately what ends up happening is we stop expressing our feelings and needs because so much of our energy and time is going towards our new dependent being and also ourselves in the sense of trying to find our identity now. Who am I in this role? And how do we fit in this together? So for many couples, they stop having that space of connectivity once the baby arrives. And what I tend to see happening is there's a honeymoon stage where you're adjusting. There's a lot of hormones that are keeping you going through those first few weeks. And then there's this dip. The dip tends to show up maybe three or four months or maybe again at eight months. I know so many of the members in my community, this is not a research number because it's not a good sample in the sense it's a self-selected sample, but over 86% of people in my community say they felt resentment towards their partner after having a baby. And that's really high. I think it's even higher, honestly. I think so too, right? And so, and resentment, here's the thing. And here's one of the reasons why I wrote the book that I did. I want people to know the very real struggles that couples have. And that the feeling of resentment doesn't mean divorce. It doesn't mean there's something fundamentally wrong with you in your relationship. It means we've got to pay attention to this emotion and ask ourselves what's it signaling for us and then figure out what to do next with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's so much, so much there. I'm curious though, because, you know, you had mentioned having these conversations before the baby, we're in the, before the baby stage right now, how do we have conversations like this when we have no idea what's to come? Like, how do I say Mm. to my partner, when I'm tired, I'm going to need you to rub my feet or, you know, I want to be the good cop and you could be the bad cop. Like, how do you know when you really don't know because things could change once Mm -hmm. the baby comes and like, especially for the man, you know, you're kind of like a mother the moment that you get pregnant, like they are not really a father until they're holding Mm -hmm. their kid. Like that changes a lot. So it's like, how do you 
know what you're even saying to them and to stand true to it. Mm. Yeah, I think maybe even talking about some of those. So yes, Lindsay, let's normalize that. That again, this was part of our own struggle is while I worked with couples and individuals, I I didn't have those conversations because it's really Mm -hmm. hard to know what you don't know. And there are so many factors in there, including the temperament of your baby, including how delivery goes and how healing goes and how breastfeeding goes if you choose to breastfeed or feeding in general. Mm -hmm. There's so many factors outside of that. So one, what you can do is ensure you are tapping into the rituals that build connection. So you're sipping your tea. Is one of your rituals that he brings you tea in the morning? Can you make Mm -hmm. sure that you are acknowledging that this is something that feels good for both of you, that you feel connected? I mentioned the notes early on. Is that something that my husband can write me those notes on those really hard days? So we're looking at how do we keep coming together? So I'm putting my hands and I'm interlacing them. How do we find ways to keep interlacing our relationship so it doesn't get put on the back burner? And that that can be as simple as let's make sure that at the end of every day, no matter how tired we are, we take 10 minutes to check in with each other. It's just 10 minutes. And you, you talked recently about even choosing to put your phone down and snuggling in with your partner. It's such a powerful thing to do. It's such a small move, but we have to remember it's a choice we get to make in our relationships choosing Mm -hmm. to turn towards each other is important. Okay. So you don't know what you don't know. Let's acknowledge that. But then if you're checking in with each other, then you have a chance to be able to say, what's really hard? What are you struggling with right now? What do you need? And I think this leads into the next conversation around personalization with moods is if something shows up that's a little more messy, you're sleep deprived, hormones are surging through your body, If you say something that's not the best way of saying it, you and your partner give each other a lot of compassion and permission because you're both growing and stretching through this. And there's Mm -hmm. one other thing, actually, Lindsay, and I think this is this piece around telling your partner that you are entering this role at the same time that they are. Yes, you've been carrying baby for 40 plus or minus weeks and you have a different bond, but at the same time, you are learning all of these things at the same time as they are. And everybody needs to be open and willing to learning together. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's all such good advice. I'm like taking notes. (laughs) I love that. I do agree that even though it, it can be such like a, an exciting period, you do have to have the conversations of like, you know, what if like, you know, what if our, our baby? Yeah. What if their temperament, like, what if they're screaming, crying all the time? What if, you know, who's going to handle this? Who's going to handle that? Right. Because, you know, I've always heard my whole life, like getting married doesn't really change your relationship, but having a kid is next level. So that's really helpful. If you are feeling the weight of the world, whether you're personally affected by it or not, it can be a lot. It can be a lot on your emotions. It can be a lot. I mean, I was just this whole week, I was just lethargic and I really needed my therapist. Like, I don't know what people without a therapist do when they are feeling all of the feels like this, because a therapist is really the only person who's able to be indifferent yet still be there for you this like neutral person who can really guide you and guide you emotionally to feel okay again. If you haven't heard of Talkspace, it is personally my favorite 
place to find a therapist because with Talkspace, you can sign up online and get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you, typically within 48 hours, which is so much faster than going online, doing your research, all the things. And Talkspace is accessible and affordable. They have made everything easy for you by like being able to communicate directly with your therapist, by making sure that you know, they take your insurance. They can help with any specific challenge that you might be facing, anxiety, depression, substance abuse, relationship issues, and so much more. It is secure and private. And as a listener of this podcast, you'll get $80 off of your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash Acme. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash Acme to get $80 off of your first month and to show your support for the show. That's Talkspace.com slash Acme. I want to dive into, and then there's just so many kind of one-off questions that my listeners had for you, but I want to dive into the interdependence conversation. I think that it's so important to be independent in your relationship. And I think that it makes relationships so much stronger. You have been in one for 11 plus years. We've been together since, are we 15, 16 years now? I should be able to do that. So (laughs) so I'm going to defer to you on, on this and kind of how to maintain that interdependence, how to not take on the emotions, the moods, the everything, you know, how to not slip into a codependent Mm. relationship. Yes. Okay. So let's do a few definitions here. First, codependency is the idea of, it's the experience of losing yourself. You are emotionally fused to the other person. You take on their emotions and feelings as if it's about you. It's almost like the experience of your partner says, I want pizza. And you're like, oh, I would love to have tacos tonight, but oh, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to upset them. Mm. So yeah, sure. Pizza, pizza sounds great. Love pizza. It's Ugh. a small example. And, never. And, and if anyone is doing that, that doesn't mean you're codependent. But the bigger picture is one or both of you are giving up yourself. So I'm going to use my hands to demonstrate this. So independent, we are our own separate selves. So I'm putting my fingers together and making a circle. Within ourselves, we have our own thoughts, feelings, opinions, desires, wishes, and values. And that independent part of you is what attracted you to each other at some point. That's Mm. independence, which is fine. But codependence is when you, one, I'm putting one hand on top of the other, you lose the self. You merge with the other person and you experience their life within yourself and you lose the sense of self. The the struggle here with this is that codependency actually creates greater disconnection because the more you feel fused to someone, the more they disconnect and push away. So then the challenge is what I'm seeing happen so often now with couples is one partner or both, we're now swinging into this hyper-independence where we say things like, that's your problem. I'm not responsible for that. Oh no. Those are your feelings. I'm mm-hmm. not, you, you go deal with that. And there's another piece in here, which ultimately is why relationships are so hard, that it's the tension that we experience between being an autonomous and independent self with trying to find intimacy and connection with the other person. So I'm taking my circles of my fingers and I'm linking them together like a chain link because you still see that we're separate, but we're finding a way to come together. Right. And Interdependence is built through this ongoing process of differentiation, which is the ability to see that I have my own thoughts, feelings, opinions, desires, 
And you at the same time have your own thoughts, feelings, opinions, desires, wishes, and values. And neither one of us are wrong or right or bad or good. But now we need to learn to identify and become aware of and to learn how to communicate those with our partners in a way that co-creates our space, our relationship together. Mm. But what's the difference between just using your same example of the pizza and the tacos? What is the difference between doing something because you want to put your partner, you know, you, you love them and you want them to be happy, right? Mm. I really want tacos, but you want pizza. All right, let's get pizza, you know, mm-hmm. cause it doesn't really matter to me either way versus doing it in a way that you're going to then feel resentful. Like how can you discern that? Cause like an example in my own life is, you know, there are nights where my husband wants to order like a sweet green salad for dinner. And that is not my vibe. Like dinner is like warm to me and like hearty. And so he will order. So I'll be like, you order your salad. I'm going to get, you know, pizza, let's say, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. But then when we're at like a restaurant and we want to share food because we want to try as many things as possible, sometimes let's say I will want, you know, the pasta and the fried calamari and he won't want those, but he will do it because I want them. Is that a codependent energy, you know, or is that just like we're doing a compromise because we're in a relationship? Mm -hmm. Like what's the difference? Yeah. You're doing a compromise and Mm -hmm. allowing each other to influence each other. Mm -hmm. And it would be quite different if every single choice in your relationship your husband says, yeah, sure. Okay. I'll have that. Yeah, sure. Okay. I have that. And right. then 10 years down the road, he's like, oh, Lindsay, I don't even like calamari. You've been making me eat it forever. And you're like, what? I thought we were on the same page, right? Like we're, we're taking a food example here, but the reality is in our relationship, one of the pieces of advice that was given to us, and I love this advice. It was around artwork in our home. And we were lamenting to my husband's aunt one day, She's been married for many years. And we said, we just can't seem to find the right art in our home. How did you navigate to get all that art in your house? And she's like, well, the reality is that you both have different tastes and you're not both going to love a piece. So one person gets to choose one room. The other person chooses the other room mm-hmm. and you have to navigate that together. And it, it's right. it's really the essence of what it means to be interdependent is that, am I always going to have to eat calamari with you or tonight? Could I imagine trying it with you and letting you influence me? And this is me compromising, but ensuring that I also get this other dish that I really want. That's quite different. But if every time your partner says, I want X and you feel this like gut wrenching pull, that's like, I really don't want that. But you ignore that and you push it down. Then I would start to wonder, where are you? Where's your identity? And being able to navigate that autonomy within your relationship. Does that make Mm. sense? Yeah, no, it makes a ton of sense. And it leads me to one of the questions that came up, which is just like, you know, let's say that you are someone who is very empathetic and overly sensitive in in your relationship. How? What what a powerful way of being. Let's just pause to acknowledge that. Yeah. Right. What a gift. And Mm -hmm. and the the people who are very empathic they do have a special gift. And we also have to work with that. Go ahead. They definitely do. And it's something that I am not as familiar with because I don't, I don't identify really as an empath. 
which is interesting because I feel like everyone does, you know, these mm-hmm. days, like it's like trendy to say yeah. you're an empath, but I don't know, maybe I'm not, maybe I am. And, and who knows, but you know, this person had written in about like how to be less, less like that. And I don't think it's because they think it's a mm. bad thing. I think they recognize that it's a gift, but they also recognize that it's a curse and you can be taken advantage of in yeah. a relationship. Oh, absolutely. So this, I like to use the analogy of almost like a gate or wrapping yourself in bubble wrap or something that's like, if you're porous and open and you can close it like a vent or a filter. Mm -hmm. And so for our highly sensitive people, for our empaths, we want to acknowledge that it is not your job to take on and solve and be the caregiver to everybody in your life. And in fact, you become healthier when you can learn to change that fence opening or the filter opening and use more discernment when it comes to what am I letting in? What am I willing to take on? And what am I not? So people who are more empaths need to practice building that fence or the the gate changing that says, this is not about me. I don't have to take this on. I can be here. And in some ways, this is what therapists do as well, right? When we're in therapy, I'm not going to get lost in my client's emotional experience. I'm at a working distance from it. And it's the reminding yourself that this isn't yours to fully take on and to feel. And sometimes, depending on who that's with, that might say, I can't be this person with you to jump into all of this stuff all the time. And acknowledging, I don't have the bandwidth to do that with you right now with all that's happening in my life. Or even in how you respond to people, which might be, do you, so I'm thinking of some of the empaths that I work with, with my highly sensitive clients, even myself, identify as a highly sensitive person. Do you sit across from the person that you care about? And do you ask questions? Do you invite them to tell you more? Do you empathize with them? Do you check in on them? That's all you having that gate really open, but then remembering that you have a choice. And so if someone's coming to you with something really hard, you might decide not to ask all of those questions and instead say, wow, that must be really hard. I see that for you. Mm. And then being willing to change the topic. And so we Mm. always have choices in how we show up in our relationships. And I think that, again, if we come back to that differentiation piece, We need to have an awareness of what's happening inside of us so that we can decide what do I want to do in this moment to build this relationship with you? Yeah, that's really interesting. And that like is kind of like a boundary in itself. Absolutely. So would you say that empaths need stronger boundaries than than other people? Mm -hmm. We Mm -hmm. empaths tend to have porous, more porous boundaries. They Mm -hmm. tend to take on and feel things from the world. And it's not that we want to get rid of that skill or that tool that they have, that way of being. It's just to say we need to be more selective and Mm -hmm. really in tune with where am I today? What do I want this relationship to develop into? How do I want to show up here? And that can be really hard to do, especially if it's mixed in with being a people pleaser and a caregiver. Mm -hmm. And speaking of people pleasing, this question is really interesting to me. I'm like, I have an answer, but I'm very curious what you think. Mm. Is it wrong to expect your partner to be mostly happy around you? Mm. My question for that person is, 
what is it about them being happy that gives you something? Mm-hmm. If And then if they're upset, what does it mean about you mm-hmm. and your lovability? Mm. So if you are desiring, this is a big topic in my community, and it's, I think it's one that really breaks down into what it means to build a differentiated relationship. And what, what does it mean if the other person is having a hard day? And there's an element in here. So let's make sure we have a caveat to this conversation that says, it depends on what this looks like for you. If your partner is always in a difficult negative state, always, always, is this perhaps part of their personality? Is, there their, is this their disposition? And if that's who they are, what do you want to do about it? Can you accept it? And can you be alongside that and grow your relationship together? Or is that something that you're not willing to accept? Is it something that you can work on together to find ways to negotiate that space? Meaning what would help your partner offload some of that stress when they're transitioning? I'm just using an example, but if they're transitioning from home to work, Mm -hmm. what would help them become more into a regulated state rather than coming home, being irritable, angry, frustrated. So I think that depends there. But then the other piece that's a very real reality is that our partners feel safe coming home. They feel safe with you. And it's one thing when we're talking about respect. So respect is needed in a relationship. Trust is needed. And it's not okay to be verbally or physically abusive. That's not tolerable behavior. And if your partner also comes home and they're slamming cupboards and stomping around and name calling to you, that's also not okay. So it's asking ourselves what behaviors are acceptable and are not. But then when it comes to dealing with these hard moods, you you have to kind of work together through that. And giving feedback to your partner might be important by saying something like, you know, I, I know that this is not about me when you come home. And at the same time, it's really hard for me to connect with you when you come home in that state. And could we find some ways for you to deal with those feelings that would be more helpful so that it doesn't take away from you and I nurturing our connection and the good stuff in our relationship? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. I also love what you said. It's like you should be able to be, to feel whatever you're feeling in front of your partner. And so the reason I dislike this question is because like, why do I have to be happy around you all the time? If this is a good relationship, we're past the honeymoon stage. Mm -hmm. We really know each other. I'll be however I am. And obviously, ideally, right? I'm happy, but it's not on you as my partner to make me happy all the time. So for this person to be like, it's wrong that my partner isn't just happy that I'm around them. You know, that's, that's not, that sounds like a little toxic because There's, your partner is not, is not, they don't exist only around you. They have other things going on in their life. And of course, baseline, like, you know, you should be happy with your partner as often as possible, but there's going to be days where you're just having a bad day and that's okay. Yeah. So that comes back to that question for this individual of what kind of messaging did you receive growing up about having negative feelings? What did you mm-hmm. learn watching your caregivers? Did they have, Mm -hmm. were they angry? Were they allowed to be angry? Did someone storm off? Did they stuff their feelings down so you didn't see that? Right. And what did they do to you or with you 
when you are angry and upset, because anger and frustration and pain and anxiety and worry, those are all normal emotions. And our parents Mm. need to help us build skills and tools to deal with those feelings. And for many of us, we didn't have that. We grew up with messaging around, push that down. Don't be sad. You're making mommy angry or you're not allowed to have those needs and feelings. Mm -hmm. There's no space for that here, right? Like suck it up. We got to get to school. There you go. And those are, they often become implicit beliefs for us, implicit memories and messages that we buy into. And then we put them out into our relationship. And so I think for this one, rather than looking out to your partner to want them to be happy all the time, start going inwards and asking yourself, what's this really about for me? Mm-hmm. Do I even allow myself to be messy with my partner? Mm. And what would that be like to start doing that? Right. I love that. And then kind of on the other side of it, like for this person or, you know, a different person or someone in a similar situation, how to get your partner to realize your emotions are not their fault or oh. because of them, right? Like it's, you're good. You're good. Like you're, you're great. Good. It's not yes. you. Like I just let me be in my feelings right now. And again, this goes back to that emotional fusion that so many of us experience in our relationships because our parents didn't teach us or a previous relationship didn't allow for the Mm -hmm. space to be two separate people. And so then we show up in this relationship and it becomes really hard. And and this was actually, I really want to normalize this experience because this is not a red flag relationship ender. This is actually one of those moments where you are in an important stage in your relationship where you're learning to renegotiate this stuff. And this was an experience my husband and I also had. And it was him learning that if I've got to look at my face, I'm kind of in a mood, it's not about him. And he has to practice internally saying to himself, I'm okay. I'm enough. Mm -hmm. I am loved. And she's having something that's happening. And I can ask her and I can say, hey, you know, I'm noticing this. Is there something going on for you? And if I choose not to share it, that's my choice. Mm -hmm. And then he can move on. And then what's key though, is for him to go do something that's going to be soothing for him in that moment and to come back to regulation, which is, you know, I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to listen to some music, do a workout, have a cold shower. Those are all things that can help you when you feel like you're personalizing or if you feel like you're triggered or overwhelmed by your partner's mood. Yeah. The worst thing you can do, which I have admittedly been guilty of, mm-hmm. is be like, you're in a mood. I always say that to, to Stephen, my husband, and he's like, do you think that you telling me that I'm in a mood is literally in any way helpful? He's mm-hmm. like, it makes me in more of a mood. Yeah. So don't do that, people. <laughs> I love that you shared that. And, and you know, if you flip that, you you again go to them, you put your hand on their arm and you say, I see you're struggling today. I'm here if you want to talk about it, but also I can give you space if that's better for you. Mm-hmm. And, it, yeah. and it is that invitation, right? And for some people, I see this with my children. One of my children, they like to run away and go to their room and be on their own in their feelings. And it's always that delicate balance of, am I there? Do they want me there? Do I force myself in there? But I have to respect also too, now that they're Mm. getting older, right? And then the other one is more likely to to vocalize what that feeling is. And that's just a disposition piece. We're all different with what we do with our feelings and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a good Relationships are hard, aren't they, Lindsay? 
Oh my God. Yeah. And since you're on the other side of it, someone had, had written in how to get the spark back post kids. Yeah. I feel like we're friendly roommates. They said, Oh, that roommate stage is so real for so many people. This is such a common experience. And also just really wanting to normalize this because people comment, don't commonly talk about this. You don't, you don't go out with friends at dinner party and be like, Hey guys, raise your hand. Who's in the roommate stage this time. Mm -hmm. The roommate stage is a sense of almost being parallel. It's like parallel play. You're side by side, but you're not crossing over to the other person. One of the best things you can start doing is to go back to your daily rituals of connection, which look like, can I hug you for 30 seconds in the morning before turning to my phone or my emails or my to-do list or getting in the shower or working out? Can I greet you at the door? Can I kiss you for, and anyone listening today, just try this. Just be willing to try something different today. Go and give your partner that 30 second hug, squeeze them for 30 seconds or a six second kiss. Because again, going back to that parent space or even just any stressor in our life, when we're trying to survive difficult things, our relationship goes in the back burner and it's not the big weekend away that's going to help restore this. It's the Mm -hmm. small things frequently saying to your partner and labeling this, I think is helpful, not in a blaming way, but in a way of, Hey, we're kind of doing this parallel thing and I miss you and I miss the fun parts that we had. Do you remember when we did the thing and that was so fun and like it was exciting? You can recall memories. That's really good. And then saying to your partner, let's shake this up. Let's plan a date. If we can't get a babysitter, maybe we eat dinner once the kids go to bed. Maybe we try a new board game. The reality is that relationships need intentionality for connection. Mm-hmm. And we also need experiences together to be side by side doing something that is not necessarily traveling the world, but it might be trying the new recipe, learning a new board game, trying the different cheese or whatever that might be. Yeah. The intentionality is so important. Like mm. I feel like so many of these people are like, how do we get the spark back post kids? Hold on. I'm just on TikTok, And right. it's like, no, no, no. Like turn to your partner. He's right there. She's right there. And have an intentional moment with them. Every time I'm intentional with my partner, it leads to, you know, something nice. Right. And whether that's just like hugging and kissing or sex, whatever it is, it's funny. I tend to like, you know, not like be bitchy, but like, not be super like sweet and nice during the week when it's like, you know, work stuff. But whenever I decide to lean into being sweet and nice with my partner, he's like all over me. And it's so easy to do. It's just like, I don't do it. So it's like, think about what your partner likes and like try to intentionally do that because it it works. It really, it really works. It's a dose effect too. The more we do it, Mm-hmm. The more we're going to practice it, the more the Gottmans talk about putting deposits into your love bank, Yes, the more deposits you have in your relationship. And then also, let's not pretend that we are better at managing life than what we really are. If it's not scheduled, it doesn't happen. I, I don't work out if it's not in my calendar. If I don't plan for it the night before, if I don't put my running shoes out the door with my workout clothes. This Mm -hmm. is the same thing with our relationships. It's okay to schedule something and that helps you to have a regular routine of putting that in there. Yeah. Agreed. 
the last question, and then I'm going to ask a final quote or piece of advice is how to express your feelings to your partner in the moment rather than after the fact. Mm. I have the opposite problem. All I do is express them in the moment and not after the fact. But this person, you know, would rather, I think, say it as it happens. Right. Right. And and this is a good one to ask yourself, where am I at in terms of my nervous system? So I use our bodies to understand what's happening in us. And I think it's so important, such an important piece in terms of how we show up in our relationships. Mm -hmm. Where's my body in this moment? Is my body in a state where I can communicate this in a way that's going to help my partner understand it? And remember in a relationship, there's two people. Where's my partner at right now? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes the biggest fights that can happen is when one person's tired, one person has their hand on the door handle to go out the door and you drop the thing. And it's, it, we have to consider both people. So in this moment, when I want to share with you, can you hear it? Can you receive it? That's the first mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is, am I regulated enough to share this? Have mm-hmm. I made sense of what's happening in this moment? Do I understand what my feelings are or am I focusing outward on the other person? Meaning you need to change. You always, you never do this. You, and when we're focusing outward, we are not connected to the self. We want to go inward. So how do you share it inside? There's a really simple script idea that you can use, which is fact plus feeling. You said you would be home at 5 p.m. and you didn't let me know that you would be late. I feel, I felt anxious waiting for you. Mm-hmm. And felt uncertain of what our plans were for dinner. That is one of the easiest things to do. And Lindsay, the challenge that shows up in relationships is we often start to do all of this like emotional gymnastics. Mm-hmm. And we start to say things like, we give all the examples of why our feelings are justified. Or we bring up you know reasons from the past or why this is so important to you. Just leave it simple. Yeah. Act plus feeling. I love that. And I feel like anytime I say say it like that, I get the perfect response back. But if I were to do it in a more attacking way, I wouldn't. So right. that's really helpful. Okay. I'm going to ask actually a few rapid fire really quick, and then I'm going to ask for a quote, a piece of advice. These are just like these fun poll questions we do on I our Instagram it. story. Can you learn how to be charismatic or is it something you are born with? Yes, you can learn. Really? I feel like that's so talented, Mr. Ripley. Like you just have to have it or you don't. Your fiance is planning to ask someone to be a groomsman who you don't like and wouldn't want in your wedding. Should you tell him how you feel or stay out of it? How will you feel in 10 years? Yes, you should tell him how you feel. And at the same time, seek to understand their reasoning behind that. So again, Mm. key principle in our relationship, curiosity. We need curiosity. Always. Do you feel like you shrink into the crowd at parties or have a large noticeable presence? Oh, I'm somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you really liked someone, you'd feel fireworks during the first kiss. True or false? False. Mm. What do you think? I think, I don't know fireworks, but yes, you feel something for sure. You feel something, but also mm-hmm. recognizing, and this goes for the first time you have sex as well. It's clunky. It's supposed to be clunky because you don't know the other person. Right. Where are my hands? Where are your hands? Do I like it? Does it feel good? Do we do this? Do we do that? Yeah. It can be a little awkward for (laughs) sure. At what point is it a red flag of being engaged too long? Over a year, one 
0.5 to two years, two to three years, or over three. It depends on whether you're on the same page or not. If you and your partner are both not in a rush, Mm -hmm. that's not a red flag. But if you are wanting to move forward and they don't, then that might be a red flag. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last one. How do you really feel about your male significant other having single female friends? Not cool, secretly hate it, but pretend it's okay, or you don't care? It's not that I don't care, because that says that I, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I think it's cool with the sense that we're secure. And mm-hmm. I can say to my partner, I can say to my husband, do I have anything to worry about? He says, no, absolutely not. We're on the same page. I say, good. Yeah. Tell me about that conversation. And mm-hmm. we're cool about it because he tells me about it. Right. And he's open about it. And there's no mm-hmm. secrets. And the other person knows who I am. And perhaps we're all hanging out. But can there be an enrichment with the opposite sex? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. This has been so amazing. Dr. Tracy, can you leave us with a quote or piece of advice? So I would love for you to write down. So people who are listening, I would love for you to write down this piece. I am me, you are you, and we are both okay. And to practice Mm -hmm. that anytime something difficult happens, anytime your partner says something that you don't understand, just remind yourself, I am me, you are you, we're both okay. And then use that to bring in more curiosity and questions with your partner so that you can practice that differentiation and getting on the same page. I love it. And your book is called, I didn't sign up for this. Where can everybody find you and order the book? Yes. My website is drtracyd.com. All the book details are there. My book is called, I didn't, did you say that? I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. <laughs> this must be that, like our, us losing our voice near the end uh-huh, of our exactly. session together. Yeah. It's a, a book. It's not your typical self-help book. It's part self-help and part memoir. And I write about four couples who all said the same thing in my office. I didn't sign up for this. And I show Mm. the work that they've done to build a healthy interdependent relationship. And I also put more of my story in the book, which has been really fun to see just how the stories have resonated with so many people. And of course, my favorite place to hang out is on Instagram. So after listening, send me a DM, say hello, and let me know what stood out for you today. Aside from you and I both losing our voices today. Exactly. Thank you so much. This was so great. Thank you. Thank you, Lindsay. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.